when I look at my life, there's, it makes no logical sense with how things have played out and how I've always been okay. And then if I do try to apply logic to it, the only answer I can come up with is God. I've tried to prove God wrong and I just can't. Mm. Um, you know, and now you know what line that reminds, like you just made a, just so you know, that was a great line. Yeah, it was. That was a amazing. Illogical, illogical moments lead to logical faith. Welcome to Smart Cleaning School. Are you ready to reshape your mindset and grow your cleaning business? Step into today's class with your guide, Ken Carfagno, so you can win for your family. Welcome back to the Smart Cleaning School podcast, helping cleaning professionals make the impact that they were meant to make. I love doing interviews. This is a first. I have not interviewed two for one, two birds, one stone, two awesome Christian men, one interview. Well, you add me in there. That's three. So three on one interview. This is going to be a lot of fun. James Love Harper, it. Angel Sandoval, dayporter.com, and the Profitable Cleaner Podcast. Welcome to the Smart Cleaning School. What's Thanks, up, man? man? Thanks for having us. It's been a long time coming. I know we just had you in hours, so it's it's super exciting. If you haven't, plug, go in there, number 68. Great episode. There you go. See, you got to shout you out, but we're super excited to be here, man. Oh, Let's yeah. Let's see what, we, what trouble we get into in here. Nah, nah. This is, this is a fun environment. This is a safe place, everyone. It's good. <laughs> so a little bit of background. I've been podcasting now for just over three years. And it's been so much fun. It was my way of taking a, a lot of creative energy and finding a place for it. Here we go. I can record it and it's off my kind of my tray and, and like off my notes. That's how I decided to get started. It's been three years and it's been a great journey. I know why I chose the cleaning industry. I was already a part of it. I kind of want to start there and then we're going to just dig. I don't know where we're going to go, but the, the project known as the Profitable Cleaner and I checked you guys out. You guys are growing. You're 70 plus episodes, a year and a half yeah. in. Where did like where did that interest in starting a podcast come from? Uh, maybe we'll start. We'll start with Angel since we're the first ones well, that connected. Believe then, it or not, James has that story. We actually know we have this aligned perfectly. Um, and I think he can tell you how we even got into okay. into the cleaning space and how the the profitable cleaner. Well, we'll come came back about. to the cleaning. We'll come back to how you got in the cleaning space. I think that's a cool story. Just like you're doing something. But podcasting, why, like, just talk about, yeah, so James, tell me about that. Why podcasting and how'd you get into that? Yeah, really, it just kind of made sense for us. Honestly, uh, Angel and I both had our own individual sales podcast before The Profitable Cleaner. And actually, that's kind of how Angel and I's relationship initially kicked off was we, we kind of bonded over this, like, very real and raw and almost spiritual podcast we did years ago when he was a guest on my my old podcast and then he had his own show and then we ended up doing business together and i think podcasting is a great form of just creating the best form of content that you can put out there not only audio but you know, visually it just made sense and we felt like we had a message from a sales and a cleaning perspective to get out there and we kind of just drew from what we were already doing individually and and put it together so that's really how the profitable cleaner 
kind of was birthed, if you will. And, and the fact that we were doing business together a year prior to that um, just helped. So he had, he had a podcast called Two Cents Worth, right? Yeah. Um, and I had a podcast called Sales Rehab. And okay. so we were both talking about sales, marketing, personal development, and those podcasts were actually ranking. And when we started <laughs> doing, like they were, they were moving up. I, I believe two cents worth. I was trying to catch up to James half of the time, but his was. <laughs> you can't beat him, join him. <laughs> yeah, he still gets requests for guests, and it's not even been live anymore. Well, it's still there. We leave them there, but they're not. We don't Active, update yeah. them. Yeah, and then eventually to go full in and really commit to the industry, we both decided to shut down and bring forces together. Oh, uh, that's a story I have not heard, but that's a cool one. Cause I've been in podcasting conferences and environments. I've, I've been around the mindset of a podcaster. So I, I, I totally understand. So what was the unique piece or skill set or strength that two cents worth had? Like, what was it that like, Oh, I need to go there because what did you find? Ooh, that's a good question. Yeah. Again, I got a shovel. I got shovels. <laughs> I got two shovels in each hand. We're gonna be digging today. Right, man. I don't. I don't know what was unique about our show outside of the fact that we kept it real and raw. Um, and sales was more than just sales on that show. And honestly, that's how I think Angel and I, I bonded. Uh, I still remember the podcast episode that I had Angel on. Uh, it's kind of a funny story how we met, but we, we met and then we ended up on this podcast. It was a Saturday morning. I'll never forget it. And, and it was just Angel had said something on that show. And I think it was guests like Angel that made that show kind of unique, but he said sales saved my life. And he was the first other person outside of myself that said that. And I, I love that quote because it's so true for both of us. And so I think that's kind of, that's what made I think my show unique and I know Angel's show was very similar in that it was very real, raw, authentic, and sales is so much more than just sales. So you brought the human element in. It was your personal life story and who you were and sales. You can't separate sales from James and James from sales. That's just kind of who you were. And at just the, I'm, the I'm show, I don't have a tattoo about it yet. We we're planning. We we're we're planning on getting a tattoo that has some sort of sales resemblance. We should it. have That's a should have a tattoo of each other's pod former podcast. <laughs> with an, okay. you know, no, you know, like the shirts that say like you know I'm I'm with stupid or what like him and her with oh, arrows. They're walking. That down would be great. With arrows pointing at each other, you could have one like two cents worth of an arrow pointing with. Angel. It, it would just be really weird depending on where I put that tattoo because it's gonna say two cents worth. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> well, Placement of that tattoo. Would be well, it depends on where the rehab tattoo goes. Okay. That is true. That is true. So, so mine was called sales rehab. Yes. And <laughs> our, our main thing, my, my main thing is, so me and James have different interviewing styles, but we come with the same intention, which is uh, humanization, uh, really heart, right? And getting deep, kind of like you, right? We love to yes. dig with the shovels. Uh, I think right now you have like a tractor, so I'm excited. Or what are those? It's not what a are bulldozer. Yeah, a bulldozer. You're about to just start digging that way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> mine was my whole idea was that if you were to listen to one episode, you keep the doctor away, like a pill a day, mm. or, uh, keeps the doctor away. So like my little logo was a little uh, pill box, but it was sales uh, sales pills basically is mm. what I was. I was I was like the doctor of sales basically was the idea behind it. Um, behind the rehab. So was yours more a little bit more tactical then? 
a little bit of both. So like my strengths lie in, in hearing every word that people say. And then I, I will ask them a question based on your tonality inflection. So Ooh. mine could go hard or it could go full deep tactical and see if people really got the sauce. Like if they mm. really have what it takes or if it's just all talk, which was really fun. That is a profound skill. I would I would camp on that for a whole episode. That was really good. I'm not going to. Like that's a that's a bulldozer. <laughs> but I do want to follow up on that. Where did that skill set come from? That's hard to teach. I mean, you go to a podcasting conference, that's something that might take a whole day's worth of sessions to teach proper interviewing. And when you think about what's interviewing, well, do you actually care about the other person opposite you or is it about you? And that's what I like the interviews that I listen to when the host won't shut up and I'm trying to be careful of this. And all they want to do is tell you about them and the, and the, the guest just becomes someone to confirm how awesome the host is. That just drives me crazy. Yeah. But when you actually care about the other person that's there and you want to know about them, it's just like how to win friends. It's Dale Carnegie. It's getting to know people. Tell me the types of books you were reading. Uh, what what do you think prepared you? Or what how, how did you get practice for that? How did you get so good at that skill set? Because that's applicable across more than just podcast interviewing. Do you want to do you want to take that, James, or do you want me to take that one? I think that's more directed towards you, man. Cool. So I mean, we do one. We've been in sales for a while, um, and we cut our teeth in like cold calling. So the first thing in cold calling is you have, I have to listen to inflections, how you say it, when you say it really fast for me to then know what to ask next. Like, it's that simple, right? But I only have 10 seconds to do it, right? Because I just cold called you on a phone from mm -hmm. a random person, interrupted your day, and I'm supposed to somehow grab that and turn that around into you leaving the call and going like, huh, that was a really great call, right? So like, that was my first individual training. Where I got really good, um, I think is because so... Even when I was broke, I love investing. And I don't mean in like stocks, not yet. Not stocks and real estate yet, eventually. Um, in masterminds. Mm -hmm. So for the past three years, I mean, I've invested a lot of money. I mean, last year I invested 18 grand just to hang out with people twice a year. Last year, two years ago, I did the same thing. And I'm just here traveling and moving cities. And I just love seeing how other people that are big already do it. So mm -hmm. I got to hang out with like, for example, have you heard of Marshall Silver? No, um, I haven't. He's like a hypnotist and like a really good uh, sales trainer and like coach. And so I'll just sit there and I'll watch him because I'm part of these masterminds. Russell Brunson, I've been mm -hmm. in the same room as like James Friel, Russell Brunson, Marshall Silver, all these crazy people, Nicholas Bayerly. Um, and it's just cool to see how they how they interview, how they ask questions, how they how they make you feel part of something, even though they're not even pitching or they're not even talking about themselves. So I just love to just watch people. And I'm just obsessed with language. Yeah, that's it's experiential. You see, you get around people. I heard, a I was in the Amway business way, way back. And this trained me in the art of cold calls as well, for sure. And you, you wanna, you find people that you wanna emulate and I was told, like, Ken, here's here's the deal. In five years from now, you will be, based on the books you read, the people that you associate. And I'm like, what does that even mean? The more I, the, the wiser I got, meaning the more books I read, the more people I associated with that I wanted to be like, I started, that started to make more and more sense because you change, right? You become that person. 
Mm-hmm. So the part that you just said that I, I, of all that, that was awesome. You found people that you respected. You were able to get into those rooms. You were willing to pay, invest to get into those rooms. You could learn. And then you did the work, like those cold calls. Man, I mean, you. We still cold call, just so you know. We still pound the phone right now. But to turn something quickly like that, to be able to read someone instantaneously, like reading the room at that high of a level, it's impressive. That's I, I that's all. That was a great answer, J- uh, James. Or do you do you feel that your skill is similar to Angel? Because you had a you know obviously your podcast was bigger, so you're doing <laughs> something better. It's true. So, no, it's so true. So what was it that you think you brought? And it, hey, it's okay. Like toot your own horn for just a minute because it's important. I want to see where you're awesome, and then we'll back it out because I want to provide hope and resources for people. Like hey, I could do the same thing Angel did, and I could be just as good. Same thing with James. Yeah, sure. Um, I think we uh, we have this thing where like we talked about our superpower, and we asked our, ourselves this question at the event that we hosted, and it made me think what's yeah. my superpower. And really, I think what it comes down to just looking at the course of my life was connecting smarter people than myself and, and putting them in the same room to be able to like create opportunity or business from. So really like my entire life, I've been able to like connect this person and that person, get them aligned, get them in the same room, be able to what I call set the table or play point guard on the conversation and then try to get out the way. Uh, and that's being a connector has kind of been my thing as, as crazy as that sounds. And then I think I'm, I'm pretty adaptable at being relatable with whoever just due to like life experience. So I think that's probably benefited me along, along the way as well. Awesome. I'll tell you, I'll tell you from my perspective, um, we ping pong really well, which is really interesting. Um, he fits in. He, so I don't know if you've ever done like this personality test, Ken. Um, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm a high D, right? So I'm he's, like. He's an I. Yeah, exactly. Right. He's yeah. like an I with, with, with some D coming in there. Like. Uh, an I with, he's an id he, and I with some D. Yeah. <laughs> he's I and I'm D. Yeah. And so it's, it's kind of cool though, because the one thing I, so I can, we can work a room very well together. I mean, if you mm-hmm. put us in one event together game over like good luck to anybody that's there because we're just gonna love we're gonna love us and we're gonna love you we're not even gonna sell you we're just gonna be best friends throughout the whole event right but the cool part with with james is he's able to walk into rooms with like deep personalities where i can easily clash here and there oh yeah and he he is able to attract people directly to him so it's really interesting um what's your what's your secondary people get to i see Uh, you're di di yeah, so we're opposites. Um, yeah. So, but similar. So, but it's cool. Like when people leave the event, or if we leave, a, we have a conversation. They love James. Like they'll give them their cell phone. We should hang out. Let's talk about kids. Let's enjoy life. Yeah. And then they'll come to me. I'll make sure that they either get across the line, or that once it gets into the strategical or the technical conversations, or we need them to do stuff. That's when I'll step in, and it's. It's kind of cool how comp- how we complement each other. I felt that way on the, on your episode sixty eight. At the end of the call, I'm like, "Yo, James, here's my cell phone number. Call me anytime. <laughs> Let's connect. You're other side of the country. Let's get together." I'm like, "I got a new friend." I did. I feel that way yeah, too. Likewise, man. Uh, and uh, the Royal Rangers, man. Uh, I I'm still looking into this, man. 
It's a hat. It's my hat too. Oh, nice. nice. Yeah. I love it. Angel, uh, you got to check out this. You gotta, <laughs> dude, Angel, when you have a kid, man, you got to check this. Yeah. Let's, let's back up a bit now. So I guess I haven't done this with two guys or two people at one time on an interview. I do want to dig a little bit on both of on both of your backgrounds, your history, your just kind of where you came from. So maybe since Angel, you and I met first, and then I got introduced to James. I'm gonna start with you. Just tell me a little bit about Angel. Like, where do you come from? You know, what was it like as a kid? When did you know you're like, I don't want to work a job? Or I worked a job and I gotta get out of a job. Like, tell me, just tell me a little bit of that story, and I'll just be jotting down notes so I can get. How, the how back do you want to go? How back do you want to go? Well, I like to know the nursery. So, when like, how many pounds and ounces? How he knows that. <laughs> well, believe he knows it. Or not, it. He knows I it. For, I forget the pounds, but I was born at seven months. So I was a Ooh. premature baby. So you were always behind others, which gave you that extra ambition to get. Or ahead because technically i would have been more if i I, yeah i came out faster i could if i would so it's you know it's crazy i have three two cousins um i was born in october one was born in november one was born in december if i would have been full term i would have been the the youngest now i'm the oldest right (laughs) exactly um yeah, no, uh, premature baby. I was born in Mexico, uh, Mexico, Ciudad Juarez, Chihuahua. Mm. Um, I was in Mexico all the way till I was 10 years old. Then once the violence got a little bit, it was uh, on its way to get out of control, especially if you know Juarez, like that's like, that's cartel central, right? You yeah. little cities, that's where you fight for territory, get to border city. Um, so we decided to come to the U.S. illegally. Oh, no. For those listening that I'll are like, edit that no, out. <laughs> No, no, I'm legal now, so you're okay. I'm a citizen of the U.S. of A., and I'm like a really proud American. I don't think mm. people understand how 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 proud we all are. Those that are not from here, once you're in a citizen, we're like super proud. You see, you just see was- me and James crying at football games when they when they're flying the jets and they show the fo- the USA oh, flag. Dude, yeah, amen. Oh. I shake everyone's hand still to this day, the rest of my life. They've ever served oh, in the military. Okay. Thank you so much for serving our country. God bless you, sir. Or, or, or ma'am. So I was way wider when I was younger, when I was a baby. I had, I mean, I have blue eyes. So it's blue eyes, all white. So you get to, my dad is just like me. My sister's just, um, so we go into the bridge. And back then they wouldn't ask you for papers. They would say American. What, age, say, what age were you? 12? 10, 10. 10. Yeah. And okay. so they would ask you like American. And then you say, yes. And as long as you were, you were, your accent didn't sound too strong to say yes, and you looked like you you lived here, they will let you through. So that's actually how I just got across. Um, and then I started going to school here. And whenever you're in school, you know you need a social security, right? When you uh, register, well, we don't have one. So as long as we got in the school somehow, we would say, oh, we'll bring you our social security card. So I was basically like, you couldn't stand out. You just have to keep your grades, not get in trouble, and then let them know you'll eventually bring them the social security card, which we never did. The shovel. There's something you were alluding to about this this American pride. I love that. You're over here. You're doing your thing. 10 years old. You're going to school. At some point, a why instilled in your heart that you wanted to become a citizen. Tell me about what that spark was and what the process was for you, how hard it was. And, and just talk about that. 
I don't know if I had a why. I just full like not full why. Me and the whole what's your why have a have an interesting relationship, which we can dive into. But um, I mean, the first why is so I don't get kicked out of the country. That's the first yeah, why. Yeah, well, that's a good one. Right? That's a good why, right? Because, uh, no, but the real reason is, um, you, yeah, if you, if you get kicked out of the country or if you live in, in total fear, um, there's always like this thing in the back of your head, like what what ifs? I hate what ifs, right? Um, unless you're having a cool dream and visioning, the what ifs would be cool. But uh, what if they find out? What if I get kicked out? What if, right? Um yeah. So for me, it was that um, some of my family was already um, legal, but my immediate family, like my mom, my dad, grandma, all that, um, they weren't, right? My where were, by the way, where like, were you? What area of the country? Is California? No, Paso, El Paso, Texas. Oh, El Paso, Texas. Okay. That's yeah, where you really, first literally went. right across the border. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. okay. And we were in bilingual classes and everything. And I think my big why started actually like in fourth grade, which was mine was like, I just want to be American. Like it, that's it. Nothing more. Nothing that I don't even want to be Mexican. Like I know that sounds weird to say. Uh, I wanted to be American since fourth grade. So I actually requested to be removed from bilingual classes, even though I didn't know English. So I had bilingual classes third grade. I moved schools because we were trying to figure out what I was going to be right. And then um, I just decided I wanted full English classes. So I remember, like I still remember sitting there with like two books, same book, one in Spanish, one in English. And I was trying to like translate myself to figure out what each word meant so that I could pass my classes. Mm-hmm. And I think since then, I just like, I knew that I needed to, if I wanted to live in peace here, I just needed to know English, good grades and become a citizen. It's that simple. Now to become a citizen though, you have to wait till you're 18. There's yeah. no way out of it. So it was basically me waiting for eight years. And then in the university, I applied naturalization really courses yeah, okay you, no i don't even need a course you just go and take a test basically they want to know that you could talk english you, and they ask you like four questions you had eight years of naturalization experience and you took you took the time and the you had the why to to learn the language and what about the process of like i don't know the civics like learning the history and the of the country and the and the richness of our past like was there something in there that you like cool i'm in america land of opportunity like well obviously you wanted to come here escape some of that kind of that uh, the dangers and stuff of where you were in yeah. mexico a better life certainly was there yeah, other same. things that is what else brought your family here not just escaping danger but like possibility maybe like of this country so my parents still uh, go to mexico go to juarez every day oh. it's a border city so he has his whole business in mexico he's a doctor oh. and then he he just drives back so opportunity for them, not really. For me, yes. I wouldn't know where I would be if I was over there, for sure. That's good. For sure. So for me, it was definitely opportunity. And honestly, I don't think people still don't understand in the U.S., which is really interesting, especially people that live here, which trips me out. Um, they think we're, we're a terrible country with no opportunities, with no jobs, with no nothing. But that's like far from, from the truth. What I will say, we're a, gam- we're a gambling type of country is what I like to say. If you only do the bare minimum, your whole life will be on the lows. That mm. is true. You'll be living paycheck to paycheck. You'll be in pain. You'll complain. But the beautiful part is if you gamble a little bit on yourself, you invest in yourself, if you run in the right circles, like the ups are more way bigger than the lows. 
And when you go to another country, like even I look at my at my family right now that live in Mexico, even my cousin, they all have their own business, but they still don't make what I would make here on a regular job. Mm. So it's like, okay. So I, I don't know. For me, it was definitely one. The first reason was fear. The second, then it turned into appreciation and opportunity um, of the country. Um, I, I wanted to serve in the military. Like that, I felt like that was the main reason. Like that's the best way to say thank you to the country. But that's why I respect the people that did never had the courage to do it. Mm -hmm. um, definitely never had the courage to do it. Um, but as far as history, I've never been a history person. James definitely knows more about history and loves uh, all of that. I've never been into it. For me, it's just the yeah. simple fact of appreciation of where I'm at and opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, and that was a nice handoff too. It was, it was uh, excellently done. That that right there, there's some things you said there that this is what I find in interviewing. You listen good enough. I'm like, man, that one statement, that's the whole interview. I can get him back just to talk about that for an hour. I, that was awesome. The ups and downs piece. You know, I've, I forget what the stat is, but you can probably relate to this having grown up in a different country. You take, yeah, those highs, those potential highs, you're right. You gamble a little bit and you could have tremendous upside, tremendous in this country. But you take the lows, uh, the the person that just whatever I can, whatever they can get, they'll get. And they'll just, they'll, they, they live on the lows. And even at the level of taking all public assistance available, that person living on the lowest of the low, it's something like is still like in the upper four percent in the whole world as far as their lifestyle something like that i think it's just a lack of appreciation because they've never been out they've never done any of that you know yeah. what i mean and yeah. i think it, like it, it to me is just crazy like i mean just from a simple standpoint of like which credit financing that doesn't exist in other places yeah like my cousin has a full business in mexico and he can't get a house I didn't right. know Why? that. Because There's no credit in financing, and I'm just some talk. There is, there is credit. There is credit in financing, but it's not as easily accessible as it uh, is here. They need a lot upfront. Wow. Okay. Which is interesting. I may pull on that. All right. Let me yeah, ask you one more question before I jump down down to James. So here you are, 18, full of American pride, new citizen. You're at that high school graduation. Uh, it sounds like from what you said earlier, you were an only child, but you have cousins. No, I have a sister. Okay, you do she's have a, a sister. She's a, I think she's a resident. I don't remember if she's a resident or a citizen because she travels. She's a nun. Okay. So she lives in Italy. Okay. Okay, cool. Yeah. And then yeah. At, at 18, now you're starting um, like looking into a career. What? Where did you go? Just where did you go at 18 next? I'll, I'll I was pause. in college. Where did you go? Uh, I was in college there at UTEP, University of Texas at El Paso. Okay, you went to UTEP. And what did it you was, that's so yeah. funny. When I went to my citizenship graduation or ceremony or whatever, I didn't even invite my family um, because I was I knew that I had four years to graduate college, so I had to just like move because I got it through financial aid. Um, so I remember like I had class, I left, I dressed up nice, got my little flag, did the whole little ceremony, <laughs> went straight went straight to the university, got to work. So no in between, you graduate and you go right to right to college. Yeah. Oh yeah. Everything. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what did you enlist? You know, you didn't enlist in the military, but you enlisted at UTEP 
for mm-hmm. a career? Like, what were you wanting to go after at that point? Not uh-huh. at 22, uh, but at 18, what were you thinking? I wouldn't, I wouldn't, so I graduated high school at 16. <clears throat> so I was already in college Ooh. at 16. Oh, snap. Okay. Yeah. Here's something cool about Mexico. Their math curriculum is way better than our U.S. curriculum by a mile. So wow. when I came over here, really, I just needed to master English and reading. Because um, the math, like I was doing, I was like, okay, well, this okay. is this is easy, right? Um, so we were in like advanced classes. But I graduated um, high school at 16. And so I was already in college two months after. Gotcha. And, so, yeah. then, so then maybe a year and a half into college, around 18, what were you like? I am here because I am doing this. What was that? This. Well, first I started with, I wanted to be a, ba- uh, a dancer, a professional dancer. So I actually enrolled. I had like, I want to be a dancer. My dad didn't let me. So he told me to get a college degree in business so that I can own a studio and then pursue dancing. So I actually had ballet and everything. So you would see me walk in college with my little, my little slippers, ballet slippers, my outfits. I'm a ballet uh, dad. There you go. Well, I'm I was a, ba- I'm a ballet good. dad. Good. Yo, and Angel's a good dancer too, man. I mean, I'm a little rusty now, but, right, but yeah, right. that's yeah, that was, that's my goal. And then I ended up in marketing. I ended up getting a degree in marketing. Okay. All right. So pause right there. This, this, this is good stuff. James, your turn, my friend. All right. So um, <laughs> he was born seven months preemie and claims that that put him ahead of the game. Were you born six and a half preemie? No, but I was artificially inseminated, so uh, that's a, that's, that's a true story. I know. I, I was wanted. I was wanted. The video of this will have to come ready. out. The video is coming ready. out on this one. This is not just audio only. The video has to for this one. <laughs> I always look for a title when someone says something. My working title so far, I have Sales Save My Life with Angel and James. That was my working title up to this point until... I was artificial. <laughs> Premature versus how a pre how a premium and inseminated artificially inseminated man. Oh, yeah. how, how they team up? Dude, I've never met anyone yeah. that was was artificially inseminated or ever. I never thought to ask them. Okay, so tell me. Yeah, there you go. That's so funny. I get that. No, well, since we're talking about birth, right? That's my only unique birth thing. Is I found out that my dad wasn't my dad at 15 years old mm. so it was it was kind of funny um although i claim to have my dad who raised me as my dad um born denver colorado okay uh proud denver guy uh grew up mom dad brother sister uh yeah good good uh pretty good upbringing um but my life changed pretty drastically at 10 years old my dad got terminally ill with cancer. Uh, he was my best friend. Uh, so I saw a pretty big progression of terminal illness. Uh, by the time I was 13, right before my 14th birthday, he had passed away. Oh, so man. learned how to deal with grief pretty early on. Uh, at that point in my life, uh, my mom, you know, she was left with three kids, single mom. And we were probably middle, lower class, probably uh, teetering that line. And then when my dad, passed away it definitely was like what does she do so long story short i was 14 at the time went off the rails i remember even telling a counselor they got me a grief counselor and they said hey 
are you going to be okay? And all this, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be okay. I'm never going to like do drugs, which sure. I believed that in my heart. And then months later I was like trying marijuana for the first time. Right. Okay. Uh, my mom got married seven months after my father died to her high school sweetheart. Long story short, my dad actually connected him during his terminal illness, which I found out later in my life. Wow. That kind of, uh, kind of saved my mom and my brother and sister from like pretty much going homeless because uh, he was he had a solid career and stuff like that but i got into a ton of legal trouble ken growing up like a ton i was just angry i was resentful i would fight a lot i i drink a lot man um so by the time i was time i was 16 17 years old um i was actually facing uh two to five years in jail which is crazy due to multiple DUIs, multiple fights, um, have, have a drug charge in there. And so I kind of faced this reality of like get sober or go to prison. So they put me in 10 months in to like juvenile hall. I turned to become an adult 18 at that time. And I went into a halfway house, an adult residential halfway house, which is really where kind of my sales journey began and saved my life there so i've never had a sip of alcohol i've been sober since i was 18 years old i'm uh, really proud of that um but getting out i have a fel i have felonies on my record to this day i can't get a gun if i were to run a background check on me i'm gonna flag so what what career takes you um at 18 years old well sales if you have some hustle and you're willing to door knock or pick up a phone so I, I like the fact that sales was an equal playing field. And that's kind of how my journey into sales went. And actually, it's probably a big piece of me owning businesses. I can't tell you how many times that when I would apply for like a, like my first adult job was being a marketing uh, manager. And they're like, all right, time for the background check. And you have to pass it to get this job. And I remember thinking, oh, my gosh, this job's a game changer for me. They're going to pay me 40 grand a year. I remember being like crying tears of joy, right? So like hit the lottery. And I knew I was going to fail that background check, but this is the truth about honesty. And I just went to them and told them my story and got the job. It was a great experience, but like a big piece of me, like now in an entrepreneurial world, it's like I might be 15 years removed from a criminal past and, 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 and a whole different person. It's, it feels like a different world to me, but still kind of formally restrained if i were to like go apply to be work for ken i would uh i would flag on your background check man so big piece of me owning my own thing is actually that do you think there's a lot of companies that will just look at things at face value versus asking some additional questions you know what i mean like you know what here's yeah. a, here's yeah. my here's my process this is what it is. They flag they're not in versus, hey, there might be a story there. Like maybe both of you. I'm going to come back to you, James, but this is an interesting question I have just from your experiences, both of you. Um, yes. So they have to. Um, they have to look at it face value if they are public, right? So like that's the beautiful part about private and about startups. Startups have one mission, rev, 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 rev. Mm -hmm. Hopefully we make it before we're running money runs out. So they're like, I don't care what you do, right? Let's get it going. Um, public, 
they have to report to their investors, they have to report to the public, they have to make everything available, so they can't. They have to just watch, do a background check, get your resume, pass or no pass. Private, they don't really care because they run the rules. And so if you have a strong connection and you have the right skill set, they'll let you in. Mm-hmm. And so that's that you depends on the company would be the answer. But um, there comes a point to like where James, I think anybody would hire James um, if they could afford him, right? Um, they they could now that they know what he's capable of without even, I don't even think you need to do a background check in a lot of places. Sure, so, yeah. I, I think you make a good point about like the public versus private sector. Like my wife works for the University of Colorado, doesn't matter. It's state policy, you, you apply. But the thing that's tricky in my situation, Ken, is like I have a third degree assault charge and that sounds really bad. It sounds really bad. It's just like a it was a 17 year old drunken fist fight. That's actually what it is. Right. So like it depends like what you flag for. Like, I mean, I've always been a not check the box type of guy, but I see why companies do that. Um, you know, you don't probably want a truck driver driving if he's got multiple DUIs. So like, I mean, th- th- there's a reason that they're in place. Um, but you wouldn't you know, want someone with uh, any kind of, of of a theft charge if they're going to be cleaning a building. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So like, I get it. Um, I, I I actually don't fault the the protocols and systems in yeah. place. Uh, but then again, you still have to um, figure out what you're going to do if you are that individual, right? So like sales again, coming back to sales, man. I remember going on Craigslist. And the only jobs back in the day that didn't do a background check uh, that would, and I, I actually started my sales career living in a halfway house. So I would like yeah. wake up in the halfway house, go to my job and come back to the halfway house. So like it was Craigslist at the time was where you found work and everything was a sales job. That was like all I qualified for. So to this day, I'm very grateful for it to this day. Like when I go to Craigslist.com, it still brings me back to being an 18 year old kid. Send that dude Craig a thank you card, wherever he is. Yeah, dude, absolutely. That's not, not he's a millionaire. You know, that's why I love, like, um, a lot of people are now fans of commission-only sales jobs, um, like Solar, Doorknock, and um, all those. That's kind of cool because you're just a 1099, so you're technically not part of the company. You're a separate contractor, so even if you have a bad background, you can work with them because yeah. you're just laying in deals. And so, like, one of our – one of the – I used to have a methodology that – and we'll get into how me and James met, if anything, but it was called Switch. And it's called sell. It's it's sell with intention to create happiness, right? That's what our the acronym was. Wait, switch. slow down. Sell with intention to create happiness. Switch. Yeah. Switch. You came. You so, came up with this. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. that's pretty clever, dude. It's the best yeah. ever. That is super. Like, don't just like, oh, I did this and boom. Like, pause. I that was told you that for three. Right I've told I've told Angel that for three years, dude. That was sick. Switch. <laughs> okay, I gotta write down switch. We're gonna come back to that with some other stuff too. Go ahead. Yeah, but the the reason I say that is uh, one of our one of our goals that that we said we were gonna accomplish um, is it would be really cool because it, it falls with both um, be able to have some form of like call center here in the U.S. that you could hire inside sales rep, but those inside sales rep come from backgrounds like either what James went through that are just trying to get their life together or something like where I went through, right? Where they're a resident, they can't seem to get a job or whatever. And then we help, basically they live in the center. It's like almost like a rehab center. So sales rehab, right? Almost, it's like a center where we rehabilitation, but they work nine to five inside of our center and then they're selling for other companies. 
so that's uh that's kind of what the whole idea behind switch came about do you think you still would have ended up in sales because you were pushed into that forced into that out of necessity you're there do you think you would have ended up there anyway you think you would have gone a different path ever thought about that that's actually a really good question i've never thought of it like that um I do think I would have ended up here ultimately, uh, for better or for worse. I, I think it probably would have came at a later date. Maybe I might have would have tried to do sports, the college scene. Who knows? Because uh, I always thought that was my trajectory growing up. And but no, I I love people, and at the end of the day, that's why I love sales and and I love business. I just I love the people you meet along the journey, and I mean people I sold to 10 years ago, I still know. And, you know, I actually, I got a Christmas card from a client mm -hmm. this year that I haven't worked with for seven years. And that that's what means something to me at the end of the day. I love people. I, I love this type of interaction. So yeah. I think I would have ended up here, but who knows when. For me personally, having seen it firsthand, my dad, her brother, incredible salesman in that world survival mode they have to figure out how they're going to get their next whatever so they can survive another day master manipulators master whatever to get what they want from people so in a weird kind of crazy way did that world almost help you with some skills too with how to do some sales like i don't want to say like sales is manipulated nothing like that but do you think just that daily survival that you also had also kind of helped you a little bit in a sales career yeah dude one one thousand percent, man. That's a terrible question to ask, no, but I, I just I just thought of it that way. <laughs> a lot of times in sales, like when you're in a one-on-one -on -one setting in the sales, I think you have to learn how to blend, blend with the other person to build comfortability and to like build some sort of like common ground and connection. Like, I mean, listen, I was one of two other white dudes in a halfway house and and I was, I was scared and I was, dude, I was a child when you look back at it, go walking in, walking into, uh, Denver, uh, public unit, you know, in handcuffs when you're in there with real criminals, like you got to learn how to like connect. So like I connect through basketball, connect through music, um, connecting's big. You and I connected over fatherhood, Christianity, yeah. you know, all of this. Like, so like a lot of it was just like, I, I really relate to what Angel said. Like, my initial motivation was fear. Like, I, I've lived in fear a lot of my life. And how do you combat fear with comfortability? Well, when you're in, placed in situations of a room of 30 other men that you don't know and you feel like you're the weakest one and you don't want to fight your way out of it because I'm not that type of badass dude, you got to make yourself, you, you got to make a connection to be comfortable to blend. Yeah man yeah there's not too much deeper to go on that but i i suspected that and for sure so even though you i mean you can't change the course of your life and you wouldn't that's the thing the yeah, losses the losses you've had the experiences you've had that you are who you are we we are the sum like that what angel we're, you're talking about before like you get in that room you become those you want to become like those people if any of us out there think that any of those big names had a cakewalk to where they're at you're mistaken Everyone's got a story. Um, one, I do want to come back. There's one question I want to come back to before we move into like the business area. And I want to go to Angel for my follow-up question. But maybe, James, um, think about this one before I come back. I'm, I'm curious, at what point in your life did you kind of you know, meet God or become a Christian and what that 
what that did to change your life. I would just, I would love to share the faith component of what that did for, for you, James, the person. Um, so I want to come back to that. So just like think on that for a moment. By the way, what a question, right? Yeah. When did yes, you encounter when did you meet God? Yeah, exactly. I want I want to ask you the same thing, Angel. Um, but I, before I do, I'm just I'm going back. You didn't have that kind of experience like James. And you're just a good, clean family. And your dad dad's a doctor. He's traveling across the border every day, going to work. And you have this passion for dancing. You love dancing. And you're in, I just, as I psychoanalyze all this, I'm hearing a young man that has a desire to do something. He also realizes he has to work harder than the average guy to get the same opportunity as that average guy who doesn't realize the potential of the country he's in. And you're like, I want to be a dancer, but I want, but I see the opportunity of this country. I want to be a dancer that runs my own dance studio and be a dancer and your dad was was pouring into that saying yeah you can't just be a dancer you got to have you got to run it yeah, you got you got to actually make money and, and so but that was put into you put into you so, put into you so for me it was it was fitting in i think that was so i'll tell you why i become a that why i even became a dancer cuz this was in like me i mean i come from a latin family you dance all the time and all the parties and stuff <laughs> but it all started in high school so like my biggest thing similar to james so like not in the halfway house portion but I was I was down deep in like the bullying portion. So because I I actually I was not this tall when I was small. Obviously I'm six feet now, so it's harder to bully me now. Right? And I work out every day. So I because of the same reason, right? I can see so, it. Those biceps are just. I need more space in my <laughs> camera here. <laughs> this chest doesn't fit. No, I'm I'm tiny still. But um, no, for me it was because I didn't know English. I didn't understand like culture. I didn't understand customs. Like I, I don't, I didn't get it when I was trying to fit in. And then we moved schools. I moved six times by the time I got to high school mm -hmm. about. Um, so I never had like, I could never build like a friendship with someone. Now it makes sense. Now when I'm older, I have friends everywhere or acquaintances is what I call them. Um, but for me, it was like fitting in, right? Like I wanted to be a football player so bad because that's what American people did. They play football, not soccer, right? Um, they do track, um, they do all these. So I, I was trying to become like that person during during school, which led me to just like just just extreme bullying, right? Which I failed miserably at. Um, and then in that, whenever the bullying started, because it started in sixth grade going into high school, uh, whenever the bullying started, my parents actually split up for a time. So we moved with my mom in a small in a smaller house, and she was working her minimum wage job and all that. So I started started realizing like, oh shoot, she's busy. I got my sister. I'm getting bullied, but I can't bring this home. Like, I cannot bring this to my family. That's additional burden. And so I was like, I'm just going to take it and move. Take it and move. And and I, and honestly, that was it all the way till junior in high school, which is when my growth spurt began. And that's when I started understanding where I fit in. So I ended up, I wanted to join football. And I couldn't because I knew there was going to be a lot of bullying going down. So I, I joined dance because that was the only class that was available. And then I found myself within senior, junior and senior in high school in dance. And so that's why I started going deeper in that. But I always had the little, I wanted business because even when I started dance, I created a, a choreography business. So people would pay me to choreograph their quinces and their weddings. And then we created a dance crew that we would get paid to perform. So I think I always had that like business part that I'm like, I need to make, I need to do something. 
it's beautiful. The, the, the skill sets you get from dance are interesting. Looking back now, right? Tell, one me, is, tell me about that. Tell me that. I mean, the first one's create. By the way, I'm just going to throw this in there because I'm not the only creative in this room. James used to be a rapper. Moving on. Oh, we're, um, coming, oh, we're coming back to rapper James. Because I will send you his SoundCloud. It's fire. fire. I'm telling him to do Can a we get a standing. All right, we're getting a standing rap. I say you create a commercial cleaning rap for the <laughs> cleaning school podcast. Um, but yeah, so one is creation. So like you literally grab a, a beat or a sound, which means nothing, right? It's just sound. And then you somehow have to coordinate it with movement. So you get creation. And then that creation has to connect all the way to the end, right? It has to be a story, has to get all the way to the end. Once you lay out all the movements, like your, your, uh, the, the, coach does then you actually have to teach it unless you're a soloist which is usually never the case unless you're really good it's like now you have to teach it and then once you teach it then you gotta mark like you gotta mark it you gotta perfect it you gotta make sure it looks good right so it's like from its creation it's training it's act like you have to notice every little detail and then once you do all that then you have to actually like test it and see if the people actually get what you're trying to say without words and so like it's you're able to see like a big picture and so now when i bring it to like business every time i love strategy calls i love asking questions if to me it doesn't have a beginning and an end with proper data in the middle with proper ways we're going to measure it with pro to me it's not a full piece it doesn't make sense and then i like to make it fun that's always my rule so in dance you have to make it fun i wanted to turn this back to james what is it from from these early parts of your life that is with you today? I mean, is it is that that's that survival kind of mode that like I don't want to put words in your mouth, but what is it from from your early life that that still propels you today or that you needed for today? You know, I think I probably took the survival mode for a, a long time with me, and I think it served me for many years. But survival mode also brings scarcity. And so, like, it's something that, like, the last four or five years of my life, I've tried to get away from, like, I used to take a lot of pride in being survival mode and all that, having this chip on my shoulder. And it serves you, and it serves you well, but then you you have to evolve from that. So I'd probably say uh, it's, like, hard to rock me. Like, so, like... Unshakable? I, uh, like, unshakable? Yeah, like some, yeah, something like that. So I used to think like, I remember like the last time I got fired from a job, my last job that I had, uh, so nervous walking into this meeting. And then I was like, why am I nervous? Like you walked into a damn halfway house with killers. Why am I nervous? And like, sometimes I like, sometimes I remember that like, well, you, know, you could lose a client, yeah, a deal could fall through. I mean, and I feel like we've been rocked a few times in business, Angel and I together. And I feel like one thing we've done together well is just stay solid. Like, and so maybe that's a quality that's came from it, but uh, maybe I can get that's a yeah, definite. No, that's a definite quality because if someone's been to been to war and they're and they're facing life or death every single day, and then they come home and they go in sales and they get a no. Oh my gosh, I won't make it. Of course, they're like, I just face death, life and death every day. A no is not going to hurt. Although some people that have never faced anything difficult, a no, I mean, they knock, knocks them out. So you've had, you have perspective. Yeah, you yeah, have absolutely. Man. Perspective on it, 
get into in, in that same thing that I was gonna say though, just because I, I know like just to make sure there's some people that you don't have to have a rough past just to like I just want to make this quick note. You don't have to have a rough past to have thick skin and to be able to assert I think there's like this weird thing going around in videos too that I think Ed Mylad said he's like, now we all everybody swears they have a rough past. Yeah. And it's so yeah. funny. I actually fell into that when I hung out a lot of people mm -hmm. everybody had this cool story of like oh my god and then this sad story and then into like being their own hero most a lot of people most of us don't actually go through a rough life and I, and that's okay as well uh whatever hand cards you get held difficult rough and life in general it's all about your own experience and your own perspectives i just want to make sure that anybody listening to this doesn't get doesn't go yeah. well i didn't have right. a rough life therefore i can't go into this it's like nah it's just yeah. life it's just life I'm it doesn't glad, really matter i'm glad you said that angel because i think about that a lot with my children like uh really anything that like anyone's went through hopefully that propels you into some sort of uncomfortability right even if that's just like oh like hey i need to learn how to public speak and i remember being embarrassed in front of my class public speaking like that's an experience that will you'll build on that builds a, a sense of grit or anyone can relate to getting dumped by a girl right or rejected or maybe like bullied or just embarrassed like those are the type of experiences that i think at the time suck that build us up but everyone feels positive feelings and negative feelings they all feel scared we all feel brave at times and if you can channel those more negative feelings and use that as a positive it doesn't have to be extreme right like yeah. i mean if please i don't if, have it be extreme right if you can avoid yeah. the extremer the extreme side please if we could avoid a lot of what we went through i'm like i would have just rather how about just a good old classic life with no stress Dude, which i did have absolutely. i did have at one point I think somebody also said is like imagine your dad is wealthy or even like middle class that is your so standard that, that's the starting yeah. standard like that is the starting standard so if you go dip anything below like that's terrible technically right so imagine if you were born and your dad is multi-millionaire and you have quote-unquote handed well now you have to somehow be bigger than your dad mm -hmm. or than your family like now that's a new standard and expectation where maybe you can't even afford to make mistakes this is good. Let me let's take this is kind of a you know emotional spiritual part. I'm going to go into the question I asked before. So I'll start with you, Angel. I mean, you are um, you profess that you're a Christian and and you have a certain mindset on on life. I mean, was that always the case? Were you brought up in a Christian home? Did something? Did you yeah. have a transformation or? Yeah, Catholic, Catholic. Okay, okay. Um, for me, it was definitely Catholic. The Catholic portion. Um, again, my sister's a nun. I thought I was going to be a priest. Um, I think I was going to be an exorcist priest, by the way. That was my oh. goal. Exorcist priest. That's what I wanted to be. Um, and so I, I grew up in the Catholic church. I led choir groups, uh, retreat groups, pray over people. So I felt, I felt God. I felt and feel God. And so, like, once you feel, I feel like once you encounter God, there's no way you just don't believe in God. It's just that it doesn't make any sense, right? Unless you want to somehow like gaslight yourself and tell yourself that it was just in the moment energy, your mind. Nah. Uh, but for me, I encountered, I saw the greatness that, that he can do. And again, when also when you see your sister at 15 say that she has a calling to become a nun, graduate, call, graduate high school early, just like I did, um, to go into the 
the convent where you're basically giving up yourself completely, like who you are and become part of it. Like there's no way that was a human, human reasonable thing to do. It doesn't make any sense. Um, and so for me, yeah, he's always been involved. Now, after she got involved, became a nun, um, I had a beef or two with God. So I, I actually decided to separate and try to really go find what I thought was truth. And like, what, what do I think it is? Who do I need to follow? What do I, so I started challenging everything that I believed in, which I actually feel anybody listening, you have to do it. Yeah. Even if you've always been raised believing in God, like go challenge the Bible, go challenge God, go challenge the commandments, go cha challenge everything so that you can find what you actually believe in. Because a lot of us just believe what our parents believe and our parents believe what our grandparents believe. So technically we're just our grandparents or their parents, right? Which is just like a generational type of thing. So I went out and tried to find my truth and um, I've came back. I always find a way to circle back. Now I'm part of a non-denominational church. Um, that's what I like to follow, learn directly from the Bible. And yeah. and that's where I'm, that's where I'm. How, how does it now? That's a, and that's a great story. Ours is similar there, growing up Catholic as well, and part of the non-denominational non church for the past 20 years. How do you, how does that govern, like being a part of the Christian church and, and, and that faith being so important, how does that govern the way you, that you live and do business now? I think for me, the first one is, again, gratefulness and abundance okay. are the two words that come to my mind. Okay. Gratefulness of, and abundance. Um especially in business, like it almost feels that you're always like on your own or you have to carry all this weight. Um, and when you're, when you have a strong relationship with God or building the relationship, whatever state you're in, you actually don't feel any of the weight. Um, I feel a lot of stress. I used to feel a lot of stress. I used to not be able to sleep. I used to feel all this like unhealthy thing. And I would always look at my entrepreneur friends and be like, what the, that guy is, how is he so happy like this doesn't make any sense um and he's not even as smart as i am or he doesn't even have this business like what the hell um and i one of my friends was like hey man that's god like that's not me and so for me what it's changed is my gratefulness my abundance my ability to tackle big challenges um and my ability to listen um has grown like when we threw our event it wasn't us it 1000 percent wasn't us thinking we should do an event and we know that because in the moment we decided to create an event and double down in the industry, we were losing so much money, losing so much money that we were thinking about shutting down the business. And then a random little thought pops into both of like both of our heads. And we're like, huh, we're losing a bunch of money. Let's double down on this and let's do this. And this is the vision. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't make any, it has no reasoning whatsoever. Yeah. And I think that's where, what I love about faith. It's, it's, it's how they say it's blind faith, right? I can sit here and try to look for, I used to do this. I used to sit there and be like, God, show me, God, show me, God, show me, show me what you can do. And it's like, he's never going to show you. He doesn't answer to you. And then one of the pastors said, with commitment comes clarity. And so he said, like, you can't just ask God to show you. First commit to what he gave you in front of you. And then, and then maybe he'll show you, or maybe you'll just see, which is two, two different things, right? He can show me, but if I'm not down to see, uh, then that's a different conversation. And so when I decided to commit to what was in front of me, to what he gave me, then he started showing himself in different in, in different areas. And I mean, don't get me wrong. Am I a perfect Christian? Have I read the full Bible? Have I not? Not right now. Am I going on my Sundays? Am I learning to read the Bible? Am I starting my process? One hundred percent. 
Um, but I don't even think you need to do all that to be a true Christian. I think what it really is, is your relationship with God and and what you're down to do with it. There are no perfect people for sure. Well, there's one. (laughs) I follow that one. (laughs) Exactly. God. Right. And you know, what's crazy. Um, Every time I would talk to my sister when I was super away from God, right, I was going down the, I'd call myself a spiritual guy over there. I got um, you. Yeah, he would, she would always be like, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. And she would and that would irritate me. you in the beginning until eventually yeah. you realize you do until it now I, to others. Until I convert it, right? And I'm like, interesting. And then she tells me all these crazy stories that in the moment don't make any sense. And I'm like, now they make sense. They do. Looking back, I'm like, whoa. And that whole, that whole, part you said about things look really big but you know i knew with god i could handle that i just had this this imagery i remember as a newer christian a pastor or someone shared this it was like when you're looking up at a mountain you're seeing a gigantic mountain but when you can take a god's perspective he sees a dot (laughs) i see a mountain but god sees a dot so i'll take god's perspective you know with him with him i'll take over the dot so yeah, it's, no, it, it's, it it's helps beautiful. You. Yeah, it it's helps. Beautiful. So, like now, I'm not scared to tackle things. It's like simple. Like, and I don't think I've ever felt that. I think before I was more like a skeptic or like I don't yeah. know, man. What's your? I still have a little bit of like skepticism if I don't have enough data. But it's more like, all right, man. If you feel you got the calling, let's do it. So then, back to the back to something you said earlier. This is a country where the lows aren't that big of a risk, and the highs that you put a little gambling, a little risk in, the highs are tremendous. Are your is your viewpoint and perspective on the on the risk and highs you can go for more as a as a Christian versus if not because because of your view on on how your faith and I should double down that like do you feel you take more risk because you know God's so big? Depends. Um, I'm gonna say depends. I'm not gonna say yes because <laughs> uh, I know one thing. I'm I'm like really learning a stewardship, and if you don't know how to steward what you currently have then Correct. taking bigger risks wouldn't make any sense, right? You would actually be going against what God wants from you if you're just taking on all these debt and trying to do all these crazy things when you're not able to water what you currently have. So I, I actually think I'm not doing any more dumb moves like I used to that I'm paying for now. Right now I'm being more of a steward and learning that, again, with, with commitment comes clarity. So it's a commit to what you have right now and then the other steps will slowly present themselves in front yeah. of you. Yeah, I did Matthew 25. That I love that right there because God says, hey, he gave one, he gave two, and he gave five based on their ability. Mm-hmm. I love that. I'm like, God, show me what I need to do to be able to take to receive your five so I can go make it to turn into 10, to go trade and make more. And that's the heart of the, I mean, a mission statement for us is a 10, we're a 10 tower, 10 talent steward. Want to be, show me what I need mm-hmm. to become a five talent and I'm going to bring you back 10. And now that I have 10, show me what I need to be able to, to take the 10 and make it into 20 and continue that. You know, a crazy part of, that I've learned is I used to think it was all, all that meant money. Um, and it oh, does it. Right. And it, which is crazy. I've just learned this because um, I get I get caught up in like I have this debt that I want to pay off. Right. We all everybody has like their goal financially. And I have this debt and I've always been like, well, how do I do this? How do I do like God show me this? And it just hit me like also you have time. Um, and I think it's such a weird thing. Most people don't do it. You got time. You got health. You've got money. You've got relationships. 
Yep. Are you stewarding all of those, right? Like how, like I'm over here telling God to help me make more money so I can pay off this debt. When God's telling me, well, brother, you just watched Netflix for four hours, woke up late and haven't even taken care of your health and eating like, mm -hmm. like bad. Why do you deserve all, all the money is going to end up going there? Because mm -hmm. if you pay off all your debt, but then you don't have any health or you don't have a strong relationship in your marriage or you don't have like, what's the, what are you actually stewarding right now? And I think for me, that has been one of the biggest breakthroughs recently has been I need to steward everything that I have, not just the money part that we're all getting stuck on. Because if I'm able to do this, I'm confident that God is, I know, like I know for a fact I'm going to be a millionaire and God has already shown that to me. Cool. Yes. Thank you. I appreciate that. How I get there, we'll figure it out. What I do today to honor that vision that he gave me, that's the most important. Uh, you just put on a clinic there. I mean, I was like in church. That was beautiful. Thank, <laughs> thank. No, seriously, thank you for sharing all of that. I, I do want to bring that element to this episode because I know that faith so guides each of our lives. And I, I don't want like I'm not going to take that out. You can't separate that from me and me from from God. We, I'm like that's who I am. I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ, and that's who I can't separate that from me. It's who I am. It's, as you guys. That was awesome. And that is so important. I, I hear people saying, you know what? Uh, so what did you do this year? Well, I, you know, I didn't really work on the business much. I really just worked on me. And they felt down about that. I'm like, that is amazing. You just took care of the thing that needed to be taken care of so you can get to the next level. So let me, let me, James has been like ready to go. He thinks I forgot about him. I did not. I promise. Angels is putting on such a No, I was, I was just like, I, I was mean, in it, man. I okay. was like, I got two pages of notes going here. I'm like, this is good stuff. You guys can finish this off. No, I'm no, no, no. We're being a passenger. <laughs> so, that was so good. We're coming back. So your your story. I asked you the question that started all this. I said, how did you become a Christian, a person of faith, and how? Like, tell me that story a bit, and how that's how that walk, a daily walk with God, has has changed you. It's I mean, a big it's question, actually, I know. Yeah, it's a big question, but my story is pretty simple. I was not raised in the church. Like, I I don't have any type of Christian or religious background. My parents weren't uh, practicing uh, Christians or any of that nature. And I grew up kind of a, I actually grew up very resentful towards God when my dad got sick. So... I don't know if I want to say I was like anti-religious, but I would, I would always question God like, Hey, uh, if God's real, then why are there wars? Why do kids die of cancer? Why my dad die of cancer? Right. So I just grew up thinking like it was just some fallacy, um, honestly. And, and then, um, then I got introduced to, uh, to God through life. Um, I, there's a, one good thing about, uh, I will say this is going to sound funny. One good thing about our correctional uh, uh, system here in the U United States is uh, there's a Bible in every single uh, jail cell. Uh, mm -hmm. There's there's a church gathering in any halfway house that you're in. And I saw actually a lot of people around me at that time that were in a lot rough, more rough spots have strong faith. I, I kind of caught my attention early on. But then when I was 18 and um, I got sober through AA, um, I'm a big Alcoholics Anonymous guy and still love the program. And uh, it, it's really based around having some sort of faith in a higher power. So my definition of God initially started with the definition of what's a higher power? What's, what's something bigger than myself? 
So I, that's how I had to start conceptualizing it. And then I uh, met my AA sponsor who ended up becoming a business pa- a partner of mine. Shout out to uh, Jimbo Davis. I uh, still love the man. He would sit down and read the big book of AA with me, but then we'd really dive in on uh, about the Bible and just about the concept of God. And he'd talk about, listen, uh, for 30 days, I want you to pray. Say, say whatever it can be. Hey, God, thank you for today. Or it could be something really in deep. And he called it God for good orderly direction that simplified it made sense in my life. Uh, so, and here I was just, you know, trying to figure out life and waking up pissed off at the world. So he said for 30 days, pray and tell me if your life's better in 30 days or, or if it's not. And I did it. I did it for all 30 days. And sometimes it was the serenity prayer in the morning. Sometimes I was just thankful for today. And other times I'd really try to learn how to pray. There's a, there's an art to learning how to pray. Um, and there's no right way to do it, um, but learning how you connect with it. And it was like the best month of my life. Like at the end of that 30 days, I was like very happy. And I was still sober, which was a big deal, by the way, at that point in my life. So I really found, I developed my relationship with God through, uh, Started probably in Alcoholics Anonymous and then getting like a mentor like Jimbo Davis, who was a good, uh, is a good, good Christian man. And then really just kind of like, like Angel said, learning. And I had to not challenge my views of, of um, what I once believed. I had to view, challenge my views of not believing. Mm. Right. Uh, so of, of growing up and then, uh, yeah, it just made so much, you know, then when I look back at my life and everything that's happened and it's, it makes no logical sense. It makes zero logical sense. And there's only one answer for it. If you're trying to put logic to it and that's God. Oh, that's so good. I, <laughs> that's so good. Hold on. Hold on. That was so good. Ooh, say that, say that again. There's only one way to put logic to it. That was good. Yeah. So when I look at my life, there's, it makes no logical sense with how things have played out and how I've always been okay. And then if I do try to apply logic to it, the only answer I can come up with is God. I've tried to prove God wrong and I just can't. Um, you know, and now a, you today, know what line that reminds, like you just made a, just so you know, that was a great line. Yeah, it was. That was a logical, illogical moments lead to logical faith. That I love that. Wait, I'm, that could be a title. Logical, yeah. Too. Illogical moments make logic, make faith logical or logical faith. That's so true. Illogical yeah, moments make faith logical. Yeah, that's the oh. only explanation. Oh, illogical faith. Illogical moments make yeah, faith go. logical. All right, you know there's a, there's another verse in there. Anywhere where two or two or three are gathered, in my name. Yeah, dude. This is church. We just this is not a podcast episode. We We're going to church. This is church. This is church, James Angel and Ken Church yeah. online. Uh, James, keep going. I don't, we we stopped you, but you were on a roll. No, you're like, good. No, you, you're good. Go a little farther. So how? So now today, that obviously developed some disciplines, some spiritual disciplines in your life. Yep. Things are yep. changing your life. Illogical became logical, <laughs> and gratefulness develops. How does it govern the way you live today, right, and do business today? Yeah, you know, Jimbo used to tell me, "God's either you're everything or he's your nothing." And, and it ebbs and flows with me sometimes. There's days that he's my nothing because I don't wake up and give my thanks. And 
set my intention and and think about how I can serve him. Right. So it's it's not like it's it guides me in the sense of giving me a moral compass. It guides me in the sense of uh, as simple as like no one right from wrong. And it also I know I know when I'm not close to God more than anything like uh, and I know when I'm not I don't always know when I'm doing God's work, but I know when I'm not doing God's work. Mm. And so there's something to be said there. And it it's also brought me to people like Angel. Uh, it's brought me to people like you, Ken. Um, you guys can, are, are pawns in God's chess game for me. I don't know if that's the best way to put it, but uh, I mean... I've developed a stronger faith by being brothers with Angel. Um, Ken, I've actually, uh, I've actually gained stuff from our initial podcast to now just from talking with you, and I can feel it come through the screen. Um, so it's just uh, he guides my life because I just—it's a hard question to even answer. I just know, I just know he does, um, and there's not a version of me anymore. I can see myself not believing in him and for 18 years of my life i never i never would have saw myself saying i'm a man of god yes like that just it's weird you're and vice versa to be honest ken like he got me and it's so funny he says that but i actually think he's the one that got me back into it because it was when i went to colorado that i ended up joining a church um an non-denominational church even though he didn't go with me he's the one that got me into into yeah. it to the point where when we had our event can um we prayed before our event during our event and after mm. and when i mean after i mean like you know how people don't want like here's the real truth uh we have our platform for a reason so if we can use our platform to just simply acknowledge god i think one of my friends one of my mentors said that he's like sometimes all you got to do is god we acknowledge you in front of everybody and boom mm. everything like the whole shift changes right because you're acknowledging that what you're about to do we had a we did a whole prayer at our last event we we said hey event's over we're about to go pray right now if anybody wants to join us and then so we had a group of like 25 people at our event at the end all holding hands and praying through at mm. the end of an event which more people would be like sir corporately speaking that's terrible you shouldn't bring god into this we just don't know how to split it. So if we ever get an opportunity, we do, you know. I, um, I'll i say one more thing here. So I have these notes, right? When I go to church, I like to take notes. And for some reason right now when James was talking, it brought me back to like a, a sermon that I remember writing notes about, which is weird that I remember. Again, I don't know if this is me. Uh, in May, like May. How do I remember? May of last year. Um, and, and this is honestly what I see when you're asking us how this goes into business, right? My notes say this, right? Um, focus on who, not how. If God is the source of life, he can be trusted to take care of the stuff of life. And I think that to me, that has been one of the biggest um, breakthroughs. We demonstrate our trust in God by putting obedience before understanding. And then the main question to answer in the sermon was, what God are you tempted to turn to um, even when it failed to deliver the goods that it promised? So what it says is like, like the money. I used to look at money and I'd be like, oh my God, how much is coming to Mac account? Oh, what if we don't make it? What if we don't this? Now, be a good steward of your money. Definitely it, right? But when things get tough, do I go directly and put all my energy to the money? Therefore, is money my God or is God my God? Mm -hmm. 
and therefore I should just trust that he's going to take care of the stuff in life and he's the source of, of everything. He will, he will supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. He has everything. Yeah, he has it all. Yeah, that's that's a tough mindset to to click over to. It took me a little bit as a Christian to to realize, yeah, I'm a Christian now. Uh, but when I realized, and I, I firmly believe 100%, that God owns it all. He created it all. He owns it all. Any money I get, it's his. So why would I tithe? It's already his. Thank you. I get to keep 90% of it. I can do, <laughs> I believe, and I've seen it happen over and over again, that, that for the 90% I get to keep and he keeps 10%, he does way more with that that partnership than if I try and keep it all myself. Yeah. Same thing with my with the time. I keep 100% of my time just to me. That's different than if I'm taking time to pray and to spend time with, with the Lord every day and go to church. I'm at spending time with him. It's just a partnership. And that's what we're talking about. And this is this the last thing on, on this topic. I do want to get to day porter. You're like, God, we're, yeah, yeah, yeah. you didn't come on the interview to talk. <laughs> we, we came to church and we got to talk about business at church. This is, this is good. And I, this, this analogy I, I I've, I've seen do as a devotion and it's just this, it's just take a glass of water. You've probably seen this and just get some food dye. And it's like, Hey, this is, this is, this was, you can look at it different ways, but just simple. This is me. And then you put a drop of yellow or, or red, like red, the blood of Jesus. Boom, put the red in there and you start mixing it all together. It's a different color, right? That was the old you to the new you. Now take the red out. Take the red out or the yellow out. You, I, I can't. I can't take the red out. It's mixed in. Like it's, it's who I am. It's I'm a new creation right now. I'm different. My anatomy is different. Be spiritually, mentally, physically. I'm a different human being now. So, I mean, people listening to this are like, all right, we're tuning out of the smart cleaning school because they're talking about God so much. But this is, guys, you listen to me. This is who I am. I'm 350 episodes. You know I'm a Christian. I've been talking about God off and on for all these. This is a chance I could have church as a podcast episode. So thank you, James and Angel, for letting us Before happen. we leave on the topic, if yes. you're listening to this and you kind of want to shut it off because you're feeling uncomfortable, you should probably lean into that feeling more than running away from it. That's what got me into the church mm. and to believing. If you get uncomfortable, it's trying to tell you something and because you're comfortable in somewhere that is not where you're supposed to be. Um, you know, one thing I'll leave it at this because I could talk about this all day. Um, one thing that was weird to me was even though my sister became a nun, she never tried to get me to convert and I never mm. understood it. She was never even like, you have to believe you have to. She was just like, yeah, I'm praying for you and I'm doing this. And so I went to church and a pastor said it and I just want to leave it at this. It's like, if you're listening to this, we're not asking you to change your behaviors or yeah. to even believe in God right off the bat or anything. He said, belonging leads to behavior. Behavior be belongs uh, then leads to belief. I think right now we're just trying, like belonging, I think is always the first step. Like who, do, what kind of crew, what kind of group do you want? What kind of men, women do you want to be surrounded with? And that's what led me to, to finding the Christian men. And when I found them, I was like, interesting i like these people i think i belong with these people and then i was like huh these are my behaviors are slowly changing isn't this interesting and then boom god shows himself so anyways just just an invitation to if you want yeah. to belong to more then there's there's that beautiful part you don't have to change behaviors or do anything crazy you just gotta check it out uh like it. yeah this is good 
right, let's make the jump. Let's make the logical jump right now into an illogical partnership between two, <laughs> two men with different backgrounds completely. So tell us, um, James, why don't you, why don't you start? Just kind of walk us through, uh, like, just maybe quickly what you did for those in between five to eight years, you get family, and then boom, you get involved with, you know, the podcast and the angel and then day Porter. And then we'll go from once we combine you guys together as a team, then we'll move forward with what it is today. And I want to just go that direction to go to come to a close. Yeah, sure. I'll give you the, I'll give you the minute version here. Ran a marketing agency uh, for five years, finally ventured out on my own at uh, what, 25 um, and ended up selling that agency with my uh, friend and partner Jimbo Davis, who I've mentioned. Uh, after that, uh, towards the end of that agency, we were marketing for a ton of crime scene cleanup companies. And a lot of those crime scene cleanup guys had janitorial companies. I'm also married to a facility director that understands the landscapes of a, a pretty large cleaning contract. So when I got out of that business, uh, I was asked to by actually two cleaning companies like, hey, do you want to come work for me with, uh, in a sales capacity? And I didn't really want to work for anyone, but I'm happy to work with people. And so it's like, okay, how can we monetize this? I've always been obsessed with the outbound sales process. And hey, let's let's start a cold call agency. Let's see if we can get cleaning contracts. Let's start here. So that's that's how it started. Um, we were originally weren't day porter. We were originally agency player was our name. And uh, in a Facebook group, I left a comment on uh, on some Facebook thread and Angel commented back. And then uh, I'll quickly give the my version of how Angel met me and then him do the same. He, uh, he kept messaging me, and when I looked at his profile picture, he looked like some 18-year-old kid, and the group that he came from, like, there's there's some questionable individuals in this group. We'll just leave it at that. Uh, so I didn't take his message seriously, but, like, a great sales guy, he followed up with me, followed up with me, followed up with me again, followed up with me then on Instagram. Um, and I just had my second child. I just had my second son. So I remember he was seven days old. And my wife's like, just take the dang call with this guy. He's fought like, you have to appreciate his follow-up. I'm like, yeah, you're right. So we spoke on a Sunday afternoon. I, I never take a call with a random person on a Sunday afternoon. And I just remember like, I remember where I was on my front porch, took this call. And I'm like, I'm like pissed about it, right? Where I'm like, I'm tired, no sleep, second child. I'm like back in the thick of it again. And I'm like, fine, Lish, that's my wife. I'll take this call. I'm like, uh, all mad. <laughs> so I take this call. And then at the end of it, man, I felt like all this energy felt like life. There's energy givers and energy takers. He was a giver. And uh, walked back in. She's like, how was it? I was like, surprisingly, really well. <laughs> so um, I don't even remember really what was said on that call. I uh, ended up actually hiring Angel as a sales coach. Um and uh yeah we worked together for three months we did the podcast we talked about early on in this show and then at the end of those three months i remember saying like how can i work with this guy really full time and he made the leap of faith and quit his job and got little to no pay coming over here to work work with me and then through the that year we became partners and then 
a year into that, he moved to Colorado. And uh, nine months after that, he moved out of Colorado. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, and, and, and next thing you know, we're on, we're on Ken's podcast. So here we are, man. All right. Like, you, like you position that like a good salesperson. I've re- reached the pinnacle of success. We're on the smart cleaning school. Podcast. <laughs> well, similar, similar to him. I called the MDO a lot of times, actually, I think through different platforms and then eventually I got you. I need to go so find I, those messages. Yeah. No, for me, I was in distribution. So I got out of college. Um, I was in uh, plastic pellet distribution, manufacturing. So high level deals like enterprise deals. And then I went into the startup and software world. I've never in commercial cleaning ever. Um, and I don't plan to be, I don't plan to own a commercial cleaning company. Um, I think there's already enough. I think we can just inject a lot of fuel into the ones that, that already have and have put all their savings into it and their life into it, you know? Um, so I was in software, so that's why I love, I love software and I love software sales. I love tech. And so that's where all my, my, experience come from and cold calling until I was in a software company. Another friend said, Hey, I'm trying to build a call center. Do you want to come and work for me? And I said, no, I've never done it, but hold on. Let me do some research. And that's when I ran into James in a group and I just wanted to get information from James and figure out like, what is this cold call outbound game? Like, is it worth it? Should I join? I messaged him. I remember on Facebook commented message, commented, took it to a DM. And then I DM'd agency flair directly because I was like, if he's not going to answer, someone has to answer in their business account. And then he answered in his business account eventually and gave me the time of day. Um, and yeah, that's basically like the like the quick rundown. And then we both had our both podcasts going around the same time. Uh, his was already going. And um, eventually he told me, hey, man, have you ever tried running your own business? And I'm like, well, I do sales coaching on the side, but not really. And he's like, well, I think you're too talented. I remember the call on my way to work. Yeah, I'm trying to be a good old employee. And I was crushing it at that job, actually. Like I was making good money and, and everything. And he's like, well, how much do you make over there? I told him. He's like, well, I can't do that. He's like, but if you're down to take a pick, like take a pay cut and come down here and like work with me. And I always am <laughs> a big believer of hitching your wagon to the right people. Um so I hitched my wagon to James and eventually he sold me to join his company. And, mm. and then Dave Porter was born a year after that. Mm. And that's when we became partners. We called it a new name. We called it everything. I still remember Dave Porter was born when we had scale. I'll tell you a little bit, Ken. Yes. We grew agency flair. I had a bonus. I had a bonus structure that he set up for me. And he said, hey, bro, Ooh, if, do you tell. To, if you get us to 40,000 recurring, monthly recurring money and you gotta think each package is to 1500 to 2500 that's 20 clients about right that's a lot i'll give you 10 grand right and i was like whoa okay interesting i come in here i automatically don't like processes systems i'm like this is gonna be crazy but i'm like focused on the money um so we so somehow we we are on our way we're at 30k going up and we're like oh my god and I'm just, I could take, I had gotten my first bonus. I was like, oh, here we go. I was not thinking like an owner. I was thinking like a salesperson because that's what I've done. And then we crashed and burned miserably, Ken. We didn't deliver. We didn't have the right systems in place. So it was hard to keep track of quality. Customers started jumping off. So we went up about to do 40K in 90 days from like, where were we, like 10K, 8K? 
Like it was a lot, it's a big jump. It's too much of a jump. It's just not sustainable. And then we, and then in the next three months we failed and another quarter crash and burn. I just, well, now we're sitting there. I remember he invited me over to his son's birthday, um, July 4th. Now it's a tradition. Now we always go to the birthday, right? Like I'll be there this year. Um, I go to the, I go to the birthday, um, and we're discussing the company and I'm like, well, bro, I have to make this certain amount of money. That's what was promised. But he's like, well, yeah, but we just lost all this money. Well, shoot, did I mess up? Did we do the right thing here? Like, what are we doing? And instead of quitting, we actually decided to double down and for me to move to Denver, which makes no, absolute no sense. Um, and we rebranded the company to Dave Porter. And so now we have the company, Dave Porter. We're sitting outside of his yard after we cleaned up. I was drinking a beer. He was drinking water or half asleep. And we're like, we have two decisions. I, we all go out and do our own thing or we double down. And that's how Dave Porter was born. And that's when we went exclusively to janitorial. Like a lot of our business and our actually the happy part of our business for janitorial companies. But then we were working with like logistics companies, software company, like all this other stuff, right? So that's when we were like, and we like the janitorial industry the most. We like the people of it. So that's when we, we bought the domain, dayporter.com. And yeah, that's when we started to rebrand. And then we're like, hey, we really have to learn this industry. And we, from a sales perspective, even more so. So I say we doubled down on business at that point, but we also doubled down on our commitment and our knowledge and our learning and all of that too, because we didn't want to be, we, we didn't just want to be talk. Wait, and we don't, and we're not all talk, right? Like commitment comes clarity, right? Again, we, so we committed to it. And then we're like, what's the best way to learn podcast? And so we literally, I made James, like, I remember I might shut down and I said, James, if we're in it, you have to shut down your podcast. Let's team up here and let's just learn from the best. We don't know anything. Like what's we told people, we know how to outbound. We know how to book walkthroughs. Now we're learning software. Now we're learning operations that like, we're yeah. slowly getting there. We know how to get attention. And we just need to get the right people in the right place. We're not going to yeah. ever say we can fill up your janitorial. We'll just talk sales. Mm -hmm. Nothing else. Yeah, exactly. We've never ran a cleaning company. Like, so we're very open and honest about that. We, uh, so I think like one, one thing we really pride ourselves on is like, know who you are, know who you're not. And uh, again, connect people when you don't know the answers. And that's the best way you can serve them in that moment. So the one thing we do know is sales and that's or, where move, kind of or move across the country to learn from someone directly, yeah, like exactly. a maven in the space, right? Like, or have podcasts or that's why I love interviewing people. A question for you, James, you have that, you know, your wife, she has, she's a facilities director. How important was it to build that network in like, cause she's in that world. I'm imagining the type of person you are as that I that you're out there building a network of people in facilities, in the facilities kind of business. How important was that five, eight years ago to what you're doing now? You know, honestly, my network's not that big in the facilities realm, as you might think. The Probably the best learning was actually probably from our clients themselves. Uh, just like, dude, the clients have been invaluable. They've been so honest. They let us try things with them. and. And then I can like go back to my wife and be like, man, they're doing this and 
She might be like, oh, hey, if he wants to get in that facility, he's got to be under 25 grand for that floor care job or then it goes to procurement. Like, so then like there's those things, but really it's from our clients. Yeah, that's huge. All right, this this has been awesome. Let's let's move to the the, the final piece here. I want to talk specifically about Day Porter. Just both of you, just highlight the resources that dayporter.com offers. Obviously, the podcast, that's a resource. Talk about the different resources and also share. I think this would be great. Share an example or two of a real commercial company that you've helped. You don't have to mention the names, but just what you did for them. So others listening to this be like, oh, yeah. well, what could what would I hire them for? Or what could how could they help me? So this is obviously for a commercial cleaning company hearing this. So talk to that and then we'll we'll put a a big old bow tie on this church service yeah. slash episode. As long as we have like a organ or something like what is it? Bam. Like that would be cool. Like <laughs> anyway, that, that's one of my goals. Um okay. So what do we do? So we have I want you to think of a division, but the whole company, we're doing a rebrand right now. It's gonna be fully the profitable cleaner. Okay. Um, they, I'll tell you how they put it came about, but that's just our brain. But they put the reason we're called they put it right now that we're moving into the profitable cleaner is because it just made too much sense. No one owned the word they which is weird. So we owned the domain and we knew that just from that alone, we would get people's attention because everybody wants a date porter. So that's kind of how the domain was born. But Profitable Cleaner, what we do is we have our podcast. So our podcast, amazing resources. We have our YouTube channel for resources as well, right? Uh, what we do are two things. We have a content and creative division, and then we have an SDR division. Okay, so we have, we do, I mean, you've seen all the content that we publish, right? We yes. have a division for that. So if anybody wants their content created, YouTube, their SEO, anything, they can come to us. And then we have a specific person, shout out to Andrea, that oversees that and then they create it, right? We have our done for you, which is our SDR, where we actually cold call on uh, cold call, cold email and LinkedIn. So we have a multi-step sequence to get to the facility managers, property managers, whatever it is, and book that walkthrough for you. Okay, so those are our services. Recently, what's popped out is really another mission. So I had a dream. This is crazy. James always told us that our strength, he would always say, our strength is our team in Nicaragua. All of our team is in Nicaragua. Okay, Ken? And I never get it. I was like, no, it doesn't make sense. So I had a dream once. And it was like the best thing. And this is when we even doubled down more. I had a dream once. There was a straight vision from God that I was speaking in stage. And I was telling these people, they're like, what makes you different? And I was like, oh, well, we have all this experience in outbound and this is what we do. And they're like, boo. And I was like, oh, shoot. They started booing me in my dream. And then I get out and I'm just sitting there like stressed and like, I just flunked. I just failed miserably. And then this lady comes to me and then she goes, so what's your, what's your strength of your company? And then I go, yeah, the outbound. And he's like, no, can I tell you what your strength is? And I'm like, whatever. Like I was pissed because I just failed in stage. And then she's like, it's your team in Nicaragua. And then I woke up, right? So now we have something called the Profitable Cleaner Program, Ken, which is basically like our biggest mission. That's our biggest focus this year. Basically, cleaning companies need to find more affordable labor to do all the outbound, to do, to do the hunting, to do the content. You don't want to pay 60 grand for somebody to cold call. You don't want to pay $5,000 a month or $3,000 a month for someone to create content for you because the ROI is not as high as in the beginning. So now what we do is people pay us and we have an academy in Nicaragua that we have people go through 
we source the people based on the job that you want. We place them inside your company and we don't even, we, and then you pay them directly. And for five to $7 an hour, you're changing lives over there. Wow. And so this December, we've placed over seven people that have full-time job with commissions. And it's cool because now these commercial cleaning companies, if they land the walkthrough that we just booked, well, they get to go hire more cleaners, more operations, more admin that you can outsource without having to make a decision between do I grow my company to hire more or do I just pay a salesperson and hope it works out, but I'm going to loss 60, 70 grand on counting commissions. So that's been our mission. This this year, we're on a mission to place, our goal is to place 40, 40 people from Nicaragua in full-time roles with amazing leaders. And I'll tell you, uh, like, I know you were asking like what company, so like we work with a company called Iconoclean. Uh, we, call, we, we work with a few. I mean, shout out to DuraShine, Iconoclean, Wingfoot. We work with a lot. Um, but um, we booked the walk Daisy. Shout out to Daisy. She's our SDR, like our SDR manager and trainer. And she booked the walkthrough. And we just got a, uh, an update today from a walkthrough she booked last week that said, hey, guys, I'm not going to say the company name. Uh, blank walkthrough went really well. Great report. Asked if we could start next week. Um, this one will probably be between twelve to thirty thousand dollars a month, depending on an upsell I'm going for. And then the second, so and then the other one was a twenty-five hundred to three thousand dollar deal. We just placed somebody in a company called um, WeClean. Shout out to WeClean. Um, she they have their own internal person called. Uh, her name is um, uh, Leda. Amazing lady, Leda. Amazing girl, lady. I'm telling you, these people like Kent. One of them has an executive MBA from the US, but because there's no job opportunities, she can't get a job. So she's finally placed inside of a company. It's crazy. She just booked, she has three walkthroughs in her first week. One walkthrough is 158,000 square foot building. Mm -hmm. The other one is, I believe 20,000 square foot building and they're all day porter jobs. So now that we know the, the science, instead of keeping the revenue to ourselves, we know what works, how to get appointments. We're now giving it, allowing somebody to go and pay them directly without, a, without anything to us so that they can provide a job. That's the only commitment. You have to provide leadership in a good workplace. Because if not, they get stuck in a call center making 3 to $5 an hour with no AC, no computer, and no literally no paradigm shifts that helps them do more. So mm. that's really our big mission for this year. That is awesome. James, what do you want to add to that? I think that's uh, I think that's really well said there. Um, I think if uh, you're curious about kind of learning about us, check out the Profitable Cleaner Facebook group. We have a pretty cool, engaged private community Facebook group and our podcast. But more than anything, we're we're easy to find, and uh, we're 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 always willing to help. Uh, no strings attached. Uh, truly, uh, we really take a servant mentality, and we care for the people in this industry and. I, you know, at the end of the day, we get joy from seeing people win. So, um, if we, if we can be a small part of you winning and, uh, you know, we're, we're happy, we're, we're easy to find. Yeah, that, that's, that's awesome. And one, one final thing, just, a, just a clarity question, uh, commitment comes, comes to leads to clarity. I believe I heard that somewhere on this, on this episode, <laughs> just a clarity question. So the people listen to this podcast, you have some residential cleaners, you have commercial cleaners, now you use day, uh, day porter slash profitable cleaner. The way that you have your division set up, you have, you can 
buy the whole package and we'll do it for you. You can, we'll provide the systems and we'll give them to you to use within your own company. So it's external or it's, we'll give you the internal essentially. If you were to just kind of give an idea, like, hey, I'm a commercial cleaning company. Am I too small for their help? Am I too big? Like what maybe, what sizes of companies just generically do you think is your different services the best fit for from what you've currently been doing? So the done for you, which is like, you pay us and we handle everything. We do it. We hunt, we pop all that. Definitely 2 million and up is my recommendation. Okay. Anything below 2 million, you still have to put a lot of gas into sales, content and operations without breaking the bank. That's the one that we've seen a huge success in placing somebody inside of their company because at $7 an hour, full time, 160 hours a, a month, that's $1,120. That's not a lot for a company, even even a $500,000 company. Like that's not a lot when you have somebody full-time working on outbound and all of that. And so any anyone below uh, 2 million, I would say um, we place people for sure, guarantee like you get to grow. And then anyone above 2 million, we encourage them to work directly with us. Okay. And would you say as a reference point, like $7 an hour in Nicaragua, it's life changing money for them. 100%. But if, if someone's just doing their own campaigns and let's say they're not using traditional routes of I'm going to do networking, I'm going to do my own LinkedIn, I'm going to do my own whatever, fill in the blank. If they go into paid advertising, like I'm going to do paid LinkedIn ads, paid Facebook ads, whatever. Would you say it's like less to actually get the 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 VA in Nicaragua versus paying for all these ads? That thousand percent, thousand okay. percent. Especially yeah. depending on the size of clients you go for. So any any contract like five thousand dollars and up, the chances of your ads working are are lower, way mm -hmm. lower. But if you're down for the smaller contracts, then yeah, I mean Facebook ads, link. I wouldn't okay. even do LinkedIn ads. I would do Facebook ads and Google ads. And ranking if i'm doing something smaller but for the bigger contracts that most people eventually want to graduate to the beautiful part with someone in nicaragua is you get to control right so i have a we have a strategy like what's a sales qualified lead who are you going after where do they hang out where are your current clients old proposals like we have a whole system we put into place yeah, yeah. and we have more control of who comes in the door because we bring them versus you waiting for them to come and so that's and it's cheaper even if you don't qualify or even if you don't invest like we take a bunch of calls to connect with people regardless and if we're not the main resource then we will give you the resource um, the beautiful part about having the podcast and our event that we have coming up and all of that is the fact that we have connections to everybody now mm -hmm. so if so if we can't if i will never ever ever sell you unless i know that my our solution is exactly what you need I would rather have you explore with other coaches, other mentors, other programs. So here's a cool test. If this makes it to the podcast and you just, you feel like you're just going through some stuff and you can't seem to snap out of it and you can't seem to get a mindset shift, shoot me a text, 915-887-9144. And we'll make sure we get you out of that funk and then get you to take some action. And but if you also- it does. And if anyone out there wants to get Angel's church notes, you can also text him. <laughs> He'll be glad to send those to you as well. <laughs> hey, hey, you got to take notes on church, man. There's so yeah. much value coming out. Well, he did a clinic halfway through this thing. James <laughs> yeah. and I were like, all right, drop the mic. James, Angel, Angel James, however you 
put one before the other. Both you guys are powerful, dynamic. I uh, appreciate so much you took the time to to come on the show and just share your life, share your life, share your mission, share your vision. Uh, we appreciate that big time. Thanks so much. No, thank thank you. you for having us, Ken. Today's episode was brought to you by Cleaning Profits 2.0. If you own a commercial cleaning company and you want to keep growing yourself to the next level, Angel and James are hosting the next Cleaning Profits 2.0 live in Denver, Colorado from September 12th to the 14th of 2023. Check out the Smart Cleaning Schools Cleaning Profits 2.0 exclusive deal. Get 15% off your live event ticket, which amounts to $120 to $210 off your ticket. Just go to smartcleaningschool.com forward slash resources and you'll find our partner deals about halfway down the page. Click the link, check out the event sales page, enter Smart Cleaning School under company name and use the discount code PROFITS15. That's P-R-O-P-H-E-T-S-1-5 to secure your discounted seat. Have an amazing week. Thank you for listening to Smart Cleaning School. Class is dismissed.